Hey, welcome back to the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. I am talent number five, joined by talent number one, Kevin Dunn. Talents two, three, and four aren't going to be here. And uh, Kevin, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, there's some big staff changes afoot. We're going to read some iTunes reviews. We're going to answer some uh, listener questions. And we're going to talk about some of the other conference championship games that are going on. So we got a full slate, but I think we're going to bang through this pretty quick. And uh, can you set the scene for us on the UT staff changes that we've experienced thus far? And after you do – actually, you know what? Let's not do that. Let's lead off with some reviews. Are you okay. cool with that? Yeah, I'm cool with that. I was going to – I mean, it's been a very regulated and balanced take. I think the majority are looking for Belichick on defense and, and dig, up, yeah. dig up Walsh on offense. Yeah, that's not a problem. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna put in the West Coast offense and uh, profit. Yes. All right. You want to hear some reviews? Yeah, from I'd love to. I'd love our, to. Our beloved listeners. Yeah. All right. So here's a really good one. Um, been reading Paul for years. Very talented, witty writer. Kevin stood out on Longhorn Network for his depth of insight. Two great talents, one podcast. Nice. And the title of it is Unmatched Insight on Longhorn Football. Wow. That's by M.S. Scott C. out there. M.S. Oh, sorry. M. Scott C. So M. Scott C., thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, Uh, That's a hell of a compliment. Here's another nice one. Worth your time, Horns fans. This is by Car F. STL. How stupid is it to read (laughs) (laughs) I know. By Big Dick 69, AOL. <laughs> if you want insightful analysis of the triumphs and tribulations of Longhorn football, along with laugh-out-loud moments, this is well worth your time and possibly even an investment in your burnt orange soul's health and wellness. <laughs> nice. Wow. That was well-written. I, I have not even – I haven't even read the one that I wrote yet. Yeah, I'd about to say. Was that it? Sounds like these are all things – no, I mean, we've got like 25 good reviews here. I just wanted to give people a smattering of the, the nice things that people are writing. And um, <laughs> I've got a, there's a couple that are just like five stars, good podcast, would listen again. So, uh, <laughs> That's fine. Here, here's a, They're here's busy. a good one. Amaz- amazing podcast by a, a gentleman or gentlewoman named Charge. If you don't listen to this, you are a terrible horn fan and dumber as a human. <laughs> I agree. That sounds like one of our fans. It does sound like one of our fans. All right. Well, well thank of you our, very much. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Yep. I do appreciate it. And Kevin and I really appreciate you guys going to iTunes, writing a review, subscribing, and recommending it to others because that's the only way the podcast is going to stay alive and frankly grow because we want this to be the biggest, best thing talking about sports out there. And uh, we can only do it with your help. So if you're enjoying it, reward us with a little bit of spreading the love and give us a nice rating and write a nice review, and uh, we may read it on the air. Yeah, love to. Um, We've had a really good response. We're doing this uh, just for fun. We've talked about it forever, but uh, I think think we can grow it, and it's cool to kind of have another community to talk to. Yep, absolutely. And another way you can really help us and, frankly, help yourself is to contact – our buddy Gabe at Mortgage Solutions. He's at Mortgages by Gabe. If you want to go look at his internet site, uh, he's 832-557-1095. If you're in the market for a new or uh, if you want to refi your mortgage, he's the guy to talk to. We've had amazing listener response uh, to Gabe. He's been really pleased with it. 
And those listeners have all reached back out to us via email or various ways and have really expressed a lot of excitement about the quality of service they got from Gabe, the price that they got, and basically uh, the speed with which he closed and, mm. and the professionalism with which he operates. So yeah. we're thankful to Gabe. It sounds like Gabe is pretty excited about what we brought. And uh, yeah, if you guys are in the, in the mortgage game and you need to get something done, reach out to Gabe at the very least, at least involve him and let him get involved and, and see if he can beat what your current offer is. That's so, it. Uh, if anything, get that, get that offer to where you want it. But he's already saved a lot of our listeners money. So uh, he's the real thing. Yep, and if you mention that everyone gets a trophy podcast, at minimum, Gabe is going to give you an amazing incentive. Uh, he was doing $500 off your closing, which is phenomenal. Uh, for a while, he was doing 65% off of closing, which is really great. Yeah. Hopefully, some guys jumped on that. If you didn't, just mention the podcast. He'll have a special treat for you. At minimum, it's going to be $500 off your closing. And uh, I'm sure he's going to be coming up with a new incentive coming up soon. So reach out to him, 832-557-1095. Kevin, can you set the scene for the coaches changes, the coaching changes that we've experienced so far? And uh, we can maybe talk a little bit about where that process is right now. Yeah, he actually did it. He actually got rid of uh, Todd Orlando. Uh, you can argue that Todd Orlando is one of the main reasons that Tom Herman had the ascent that he did. And uh, you were all over this early on, and he saw it. And I guess he had enough evidence to make that move. I'm obviously curious just how involved CDC or how much pressure there was. But you got to give Herman credit for doing it offensively. I don't think there's any surprise they're making a move. Um, I don't think there's any surprise that Graham Harrell seems to be the front runner as we do this on Thursday night. Defensively, maybe it's not a surprise, but it is a concern for me. That'd be one hell of a coincidence if his buddy Chris Ash is truly the best guy for the job. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's that's a troublesome thing with a lot of coaches, and it seems particularly troublesome with Herman, in that his due diligence is far too often, do I know you? Okay, due diligence completed. You must be a star coach and a good guy. And, uh, you know, the coaching world and the coaching universe is a little bit bigger than people Tom Herman knows from Iowa State and Ohio State. So I think that's the concern with Chris Ash. Uh, obviously, Chris Ash was the former D.C. at Ohio State. He went on to transition to be the head coach at Rutgers, failed there. And uh, Shiano's the head coach back at Rutgers now, isn't he? Yeah, he got the job, got the uh, got the money he was looking for. I know he was looking for a jet to be able to take off uh, certain places when he wanted to. I mean, so they they ended up paying it. That's a really tough job. Um, I'm not sure it's as tough as, as some people say. Eight and thirty-two, man. Woo. Uh, he obviously was not a head coach. He was also co-DC with Fickle, so I'm assuming he was calling plays. We don't know. So here's the crazy thing. I've been assured that he was the guy and Fickle was the, the extra, right? The right. add-on. Yeah. I've heard from people that that was not the case. Hmm. And, and I don't know if that's Ohio State spin or those people had individual agendas or, or what it is, but I would be curious to dig into that and find out what the, the deal was on play calling. Um, the other thing to consider is that Ash played or played, he coached in the Big Ten where they're not going to see the – quite the same variety of scheme and, and various offenses that you'll see in the big 12 and the wake up call for a lot of defensive coordinators when they enter the big 12 is seeing the diversity of the schemery 
and the changes in game plan and, and how the offensive coordinators are, can be pretty dynamic in this league. So uh, while he was successful at Ohio State, a lot of that was out of a 4-3 base. Yeah. Now, obviously, he's not going to roll out a 4-3 at Texas, but... Um, but it'd be, quarter, I, it'd be quarters coverage with a four-down look, right? Yeah, that's the base. And look, I, I think Texas fans are getting really carried away with the whole idea of four down fronts versus three-man fronts. Yeah, I think they are, both, too. They both work. They're fine. The The best defense in the league, by far, had a three-man front. It yep. was Baylor. Mm-hmm. And they also led the league in sacks. They led the league in pressures. And they had the best pass defense in the league. And it wasn't even close. So, and, and if, so if you want to say, well, it's not, well, they had a different, nope, they actually ran a lot of that tight front that Todd Orlando ran. The yeah. difference was they schemed it well and they coached and they developed their players. Now that's the difference. And, you know, they also had a, a bet, you know, Snow, Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator for Baylor had a much better feel for play calling and, and game adjustments. So people need to kind of get off that a four man front's fine. A three man front front is fine. Um, Heck, University of Washington has success against Air Raid. They run a, a two four six, or no wait, uh, that's twelve men. No wonder they were successful. <laughs> so the point is, I actually think Chris Ash is the floor of the search, meaning yeah, he's the guy they're going to settle on if they can't get someone else. And I'm not sure who the ceiling is because I'm not sure who they've reached out to. But I would just say Texas needs to remain calm and, and stay open to all possibilities and actually give this some time and some due diligence because they don't know who might come open. They don't know who might express interest. They don't know who might want to get to Texas or get out of a, a situation they're not happy with. Who knows? So I would say just give it some time and uh, don't read too much into it. The, the big key for this defense is that they need basically a guy who's going to be sound and someone is a good teacher. So it's not just the DC that matters. It's going to be all the other defensive coaches he hires because although they haven't made any changes on the defensive side of the ball, those changes are coming. Yeah. Well, and it gets back to your original point. I do feel like the most overlooked thing when hiring assistants here on the 40 acres, a majority of our lifetime would be developing players and really having them be really good coaches, coaches of technique, how they fit into the game plan, um, kind of kind of everything. I mean, to where it's on the field, I feel like, and I'm not, I'm not asking for someone who can't recruit at all, but it's always been, oh, this guy's a great recruiter. I, I want these assistants to be great football coaches. Yeah, I, I just think that's 100% clear now. And the, I think the greatest favor ever done to Texas and to Tom Herman is what Matt Rule has done at Baylor because it's a perfect control for our little experiment, which is two coaches took over the same time. They've had exactly three years on the job. Matt Rule and every measurable characteristic had the inferior job, the inferior situation, a terrible scandal to overcome and goes predictably one in 11 in his first year. And within three years of his hiring, he's got the number one defense in the big 12. You did that. He did that with coaching. He did that with development. And if Tom Herman, I mean, so by the way, for those of you who want to read it, I did an analysis on all the big 12 defenses on inside Texas and uh, posted that article today and just basically looked at the totality of the season, all the big 12 defenses and, and basically force ranked them 
And Texas was eight, eight out of 10. And they were clearly, if you break it outside of just numerical ranking, if you break it into groups of four, Baylor was alone in group one. Texas was in group four, right beside Kansas and Texas Tech. Mm. So, I mean, if you, if you don't have a clear look at the importance of development and the importance of coaching and teaching vis-a-vis recruiting, because Texas certainly destroyed Baylor in recruiting the last three years, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. Hopefully that, that'll come, and that's going to be up to the coordinators uh, they hire. So it does sound like you and I would love to see them head a different direction than Ash, and if it ends up being that, then then maybe uh, <clears throat> maybe he can get it done. But I would really like to see them make this a true national search and maybe even take a little bit longer. It seems like the Graham Harrell stuff is moving moving forward pretty quickly. Did you think it was a pipe dream all along that they could maybe even uh, snag Joe Brady away from LSU? Yeah, I mean, it, it might be, unless you, unless Brady has specific reasons that he would want to go explore a different opportunity uh, or just a pure money play. But LSU is going to find the money. And whether that's on the official payroll or off the official payroll, they're going to, they're going to find a way to pay that guy if that's the fundamental issue. Because – Ed O understands that Joe Brady's the guy that saved that offense. It's not Ensminger. No, there's no question about that because uh, we've seen Ensminger for years. He was A&M offensive coordinator. We, we've seen him all over college football, and he's done a nice job of getting out of the way and letting Brady come in and utilize the talent. But, um, you know, there's a smaller sample size with Brady. I love what he's been able to do. It's it's. A lot of it is the same stuff. I think Harold's done a really nice job too. And and the only question, the only concern with him would be, do they get too spread and and do they get soft, which uh, which can be a problem for spread teams when they when they widen when they spread out too much. But Oklahoma's proven that you can still have a really dominant run game and be physical and also throw the football all over the yard. Yeah, I mean, to me, the best – so the air raid thing gets thrown around, and I think it almost right. loses its meaning. It, it's actually kind of lazy. It's lazy, and there's pure air raid, yep. as represented by Mike Leach, which he's still running, and I don't want any part of that. Uh, and that's not a good fit for what Texas's advantages are, in no. my opinion. No, I'm with you. And then I don't think it's even useful to call Lincoln Riley air raid because he's not. Right. He's just not air raid. It, it's, it, just, it's, it's the tech connection. That's the only reason people use that. It's about lineage, right? So are you Bryles lineage yeah. or Leach lineage? And it's his connection. But if you look at how he conducts his offense, because what defines air raid, right? Remember, used to be line splits, right? You had big, huge offensive line splits. Yeah. You had the, um, the way that even the linemen line up, which is they push, you push the boundaries on an illegal formation in terms of how far you drop back your tackle. Right. Um, you have a very simplistic run game. You don't do jet sweep motion. You don't run option with the quarterback. You, your run game, I mean, is going to be one or two running plays. You're not going to have a bunch of – you're not going to do counter tray. You're not going to, certainly not going to have an H-back. You're certainly not going to do any – all the things that are the hallmarks of the Lincoln-Riley offense. So, as Mike Gundy said and you said, you guys know what it is, right? <laughs> Triple off offense, right? You're right. So, I, there's no value in calling that air raid. Same thing with Dana Holgerson, by the way. If you're running RPOs as the base of your spread offense, that's not air raid. That ain't air raid. Yeah, that ain't air raid. 
And that's Dana Holgerson, but, and Dana Holgerson could run the hell out of the ball, right? He could, but there are so many derivations. I think that's our point of the lazy. I mean, you can connect it maybe to a, a much broader tree if you're, like you said, trying to do lineage and be like, yeah, I guess it kind of came from the air raid. But they've all, I mean, they all kind of have their different ones. I mean, even Mangino, when he took over for Leach at Oklahoma as OC, he was an offensive lineman. His, his was different. You know, I mean, he, he actually wanted to have some balance in there. Yeah, Kevin Wilson. Kevin and, Wilson's a great example. Yeah, I, so here's the question. Is Harrell more towards the leech side of things? Or is he more evolved into the Riley, Holgo, you know, Kevin Wilson uh, branch? I guess that, that's the million-dollar question. It is a million-dollar question. It, and the question. If he has available much, talent, too, right? He may, he may it, tell you, the, right, that, hey, I, if I had these backs, I'd run more. That's it. I mean, so the best coaches from that tree are like, hey, man, I got a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be second in the Big 12 in rushing, Yeah, which he was, by the way. Yeah. And uh, that's Lincoln Riley. Now, would Mike Leach do that? No, of course I, not. I think Jalen Hurts would be playing like inside wide receiver for Leach. Right. right? So – you know, you have to think to what degree is the guy flexible? How doctrinaire is he? And uh, I don't know. We don't know the answer on Harold. There's not enough data points. And frankly, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade on the guy, but I, this idea that people are locked in on him as the the hero hire and the dream hire. And, oh, God, if we don't get Harold, this is a cluster. It's like, just relax. Yeah. Uh, I'm Fine. with you. I, mean, I think it's more about the philosophy and the concept. And, and we've talked about it that, that it's very rare. I mean, it makes sense, too, when you really think about the personalities and the type of makeup that someone needs to be a innovator, creator in a dark room and drawing uh, route combinations and how it's going to beat certain coverages compared to the guy who has to be in the moment and, and be able to, to look ahead and kind of play that chess game as a play caller compared to a coordinator. So, you try and find the best match of that, too. Yeah, and, and look, I also, at the end of the day, people can have these fantasies that Herman's going to completely remove himself from the offense, but he is going to have some influence and say on the offense. And the question is, can Harrell and Herman mul- meld together and create something really interesting? Yeah, but I think... Or, or does it not work? Yeah. Or does it not work? And it's kind of contradictory. Right. And there's tension. And, you know, that that would be very interesting. And we don't know till we know. And the one question I will address, and I'm interested in your opinion on this, I think Sam Ellinger would be very good in Harold's system. I think he'd be so better. I, I think people, yeah, I think he'd be and, better. And, and, I, and also, by the way, the run stuff, I think that Harold would have not, not get many questions about the rushing yards because in that system, when they go five wide and spread people out, Sam would be great, especially if he sees man and backs, man. He will he will pick up. It'll be a lot easier for him, and it'll open up a lot more for him to run. Yeah, he'll get a lot of cheap 12-yard gains. Very much so. The other thing people kind of forgot, Westlake guy, <laughs> who did Sam Ellinger play for in high school? He played for Todd Dodge. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> think about it. Like, people need to relax. They, I mean – I understand Sam has the capacity and ability to run, and he's a big, tough guy, but he could throw the ball around, man. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and I think that he would, he would definitely benefit from having a, a, a better system. Now, I think it is fair to question about fit down the line in terms of recruiting yep. and who Texas is bringing in, 
but you know that may be a bridge you want to cross when you get to it. And is this the right offense for Jaquindon Jackson? Yeah, and you know there may not quarterback and they may not be the right fit for Jaquindon Jackson long term. True, we don't know. And uh, the bottom line is, you know, could Casey Thompson thrive in an air raid offense? Well, we know for a fact that weak, weaker armed mobile guys have been effective in pure air raid offenses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew, you know, obviously was very effective at Washington State. Uh, what was the guy? Um, Luke Falk? Yeah. Who was before Classic tech leech guys. Oh, Hodges? yeah. Was that who? Yeah, Cody Hodges. Cody Hodges was effective. No, I mean, I don't think he was. I'll, I'll give you a guy, Kingsbury. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, as a quarterback, yeah. he was a weak arm guy who who had some mobility and he thrived. Good one. Absolutely. And uh, the handsomest of all air raid quarterbacks, right? Oh, he is dreamy. That's what I've been told here. <laughs> he is. You know, he, he, he's a nice guy. I got to give him credit, though. Every time uh, I talked with him at Big 12 Media Days a couple of times and uh, we were shooting it and he we kind of had some some similar friends, some uh, common friends, and we're talking about stuff like that. And he was, uh, he was legit. I was, I was a fan of his. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, people denigrate him for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, there's some legit criticisms of him at tech, right? Right. Uh, and they won 35% of their games in big 12 play. That's not good. No. So, uh, and it got him a head said, coaching NFL job. Think about that happening 20 <laughs> years ago. That's he, he owes, uh, he owes Sean McVay a lot of money. Yes, he but, does. Um, ultimately, I, I've heard he's a nice guy. So mm-hmm. people people want to denigrate him for basically. It's not his fault the guy's good looking. So yeah, relax. Let's not hold it against him. But I'm with you, man. Burden, I, I do wish we had. You and I have carried it's the burden you and I have carried our whole lives, Kevin. Paul, it's just you know how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? Especially at my age now, I'm just really fighting him off. <laughs> that, that that would be sarcasm. That would be sarcasm. Um, all right, so and you too. I, I, I know you got women all over in San Francisco. Oh yeah, I've got my pick of sevens. So hey, what what about the position coaching level? What about beneath uh, the OC hire? So obviously Beck is going to continue on. I think that's a temporary thing. I think Beck will ultimately move on from the staff after the bowl. Mm-hmm. But um, even if they retain him, it'll probably be as a, at a, at a recruiting position. You know, he might use, be used as a fill-in if he does stick around. Right. Uh, what do you think we should look for? And, and what should that look like for uh, these wide? Well, are we going to have one wide receiver coach or two? I don't know. That's a good question. Do you want to go back? Do you want to give the D.C. maybe that extra advantage? Because, I mean, they certainly haven't had it with the consultants or that odd number assistant that, that's on there. What do you want to do with special teams? That's been a nightmare. Do you want to have someone to, to seriously come in and do that? In, in all positions that we're talking about here, coaching and technique has to be one. How good of a developer are you? That's question one, two, and three. We're in Austin, Texas. I got a beautiful view here right over 360. I'm looking at the whole town. We got people moving in here every single day. It's a national town now. It is a global school. It's in a cool town. Recruiting will take care of itself if you develop and win games. Yep. So I'm not saying, I mean, obviously you want to have guys. I, I understand how important recruiting is. But, Paul, I think where Texas is, where they have been, 
it is just ultra important. You started off uh, the podcast with this, and I completely agree. It's about developing and really finding coaches that, that, that you know coach. Yep, that's it. Not mutually exclusive. You can do both. And frankly, if a guy is just known as a pure rainmaker recruiter and he can't coach a lick, I'm not interested. We can, we can find other ways to bridge that. We can't bridge bad coaching. And seven and five is my answer to anyone who argues. Yeah. Uh, that's the bottom line. And what, what, uh, else are you, I don't know. what else are you kind of looking for? I mean, obviously, that is our number one, two, and three. Uh, are there any type of names, philosophy, schemes? Do you want to bring someone in who teaches rugby tackling, stuff like that? No. I mean, good coaching is good coaching. And frankly, you need to find someone who jibes with the two coordinators that you hire. And so, say, for example, they've been throwing around the name Kevin Steele from Auburn. Uh, he would be sort of a more experienced, more proven version of Chris Ash. Right. Because he likes to keep it simple and teach the game. And so you probably would help. He would probably help you and guide or look at who would be acceptable to coach under him. Same thing on the offense. But, you know, the problem is you don't want to get into the air raid network either where they want to bring all their boys to come coach with them. I think you want to have a, a staff with just good guys, each with their own ideas. And you need to create a staff where people can exchange those ideas and create some good creative tension, positive creative tension where mm. people don't always agree or people don't always feel like they have to agree with Herman. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that and, and to feel comfortable. And I do think that's been part of people always ask me, uh, and I'm sure they ask you, all right, so what do you hear? And I, they definitely asked me when I was at Longhorn Network, what do you, you know, what do you really see with the culture? And there was a lot of mistrust all throughout the athletic department. I think that's probably gotten a lot better with uh, CDC. But but th- that's always going to be a problem at a school like Texas. And and I think part of that has to be, well, I, I have to be able to trust that I can go to my boss and, and ask them serious questions. And like you said, sometimes disagree. That'll make the business, and in this sense, the program better, if, that, if that's the case. Well, and the other thing to consider, and I just want to throw this out, the most telling thing obviously that we know from watching the big 12 this year on defense is that the best defense in the big 12 was Baylor yeah. who made a huge leap from the for, for first two years where they were in the, the very bottom of the conference and they stuck to the plan. They developed their guys and they made a huge leap. The other alternative to making a huge leap was OU who was a, a train wreck. And they obviously had some, they had some talent, but that talent wasn't being properly utilized. They brought in Alex Grinch in one year. He, sh- he shaped up a, a ridiculously bad defense and made him above average to, to good, right? Mm-hmm. That's possible at Texas. The material is there on defense. Similarly on offense, Joe Burrow and LSU, they were kind of game managey last year, right? They very were running much the so. ball. Yeah. Very conventional. They brought in one guy who creates a spark. Obviously, Joe Burrow, we realize now, is quite talented and accurate. Um, and suddenly they make, they become this incredible offense, probably the best in the country. Yep. And it's just, the point is you can change this and turn this around really quickly with good coaches. And so the bottom line is if Texas can't do this on this go around after getting rid of Herman's staff, then the problem isn't the assistant coaches and Texas needs to move pretty quickly in the next couple of years to, to find and identify a head man who can do the job. Have you heard or do you think that Herman is on the same page with the assistants that it's got to be coaching first? Nope, I have no idea. Hmm. Because, you know, frankly, Herman's about to – there's 10 assistant coaches and he's going to turn over probably seven of them. Right. 
So, you know, the, the three that stick around, I'm not sure what conversations he's having. I mean, most of his conversations right now is telling guys that they're gone. So, and there's more to come. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't claim to have any insights into Herman specifically. He keeps a pretty tight circle, and that's part of his problem, frankly, in some areas. Well, yeah, it's kind of what you're talking about. Not that he should listen to to us two bozos, uh, but uh, but maybe in in this sense he should. But in terms of just well, op- maybe if opening he read up, our iTunes, maybe if he read our iTunes reviews, Kevin, yeah. he would hire us. Maybe 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 give us five stars. Yeah, I. Do you want to be? Would you rather be offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator at Texas? Oh man. Um, offensive coordinator. The DCs have had their problems recently. Not that the OCs have been great, but uh, yeah, I, I would just hire someone uh, underneath me, and uh, and had a, I'd have like the wide receiver coach calling plays like Urban Meyer at Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going DC all the way. Yeah, no, I I, I figured you would. I think there's like three or four very easy fixes for this defense, and then I'll turn over like the game management and the install and everything else to competent assistants. But I'll be like, hey. This Joe Asai guy, right. uh, he plays with the line of scrimmage and rushes. And uh, DeMarvin Overshawn and B.J. Foster, right. yeah, you're safety. But part of your safety job is that you play right behind the defensive line. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Oh, wink, wink. Yeah, no, we were laughing about that. Rod was saying, I mean, I just don't think they're going to have enough linebackers. And I said, well, you are counting 31 as a linebacker, right? I mean, for whoever you're selling this job to defensively. And I, I want to ask you about that, what kind of philosophy you're looking for, what kind of – and really more philosophy because I know Ian Boyd, your colleague at uh, Inside Texas and our buddy, he uh, he really thinks that the pressure scheme is something you have to get away from in the Big 12. Would you be worried about that as much or, or more worried about different things? Uh, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. I understand his point, uh, particularly as it's demonstrated by Orlando and Texas. You, you don't zero blitz people in the Big 12 over and over, right? And no. you certainly don't do it on third 17. No. That said, I mean, pressure is a pretty broad description. I mean, right. the fact is Baylor blitzes quite a bit. They bring pressure. They just do it in smart ways, and they do it in concealed ways. So um, I'd have to talk about the particulars of what he means by that to, to really get suss that out. I don't want to you know, misunderstand, but I think we can get way too whiteboardy with all this stuff. And that's Mm -hmm. frankly the issue that Todd Orlando had. And the thing that I kind of figured out about 18 months ago, and I've been waiting for people to sort of get where I am on that, which is the whiteboard is bullshit. If you can't get your guys to play their position first and foremost, right. And if you can't get them to understand the game of football and do, you know, stupid things like tackle and set the edge and come at the right angle and, um, like bring your feet when you tackle and don't break your shoulder on people. And I mean, it's just there, a lot of that stuff, believe it or not, the scheme kind of cleans up and, and dictates itself once you can do all those things. Yeah. And once once also, the fundamentals are set, right? That's it. And then, then, I mean, obviously you do have to have a scheme. I'm not saying you run a schemeless defense. You have to make a decision. Are you a four man front, a three man front? Are you multiple? Are you, are you quarters coverage? Are you man-to-man? Are you man-under? Whatever. But once you do those things, you can, you can have a very different style and a very different approach to defense. The fact is, Baylor's defense, in terms of personnel and in terms of their basic disposition, had a lot of parallels to Texas's defense. The difference is they coached them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
No, no. And they also developed them. I mean, think about these guys. You talked about their record, where they came from. You know, if you know any football at all, you can you can smell that stuff or you can feel it. So the 23-17 win last year, I yep. right after that, I, I think doing post game and I said told Brad, I said, dude, Baylor off the air is Baylor's gonna be a bitch next year. I mean, you could tell that those freshmen that were really struggling were getting pretty damn good as sophomores, and you could also tell they were well coached. Yeah, so I thought they were gonna go eight and four this year and or nine and three and sort of surprise people. I thought they were and then I thought next year was gonna be the year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they jumped it early. And uh, man, I, I knew Rule was a good hire from Temple. That was a good hire. That was man. a great man. hire. What a bummer! They got to get him in the NFL ASAP. Yeah, no, I was talking about it today on the show that it, it would just be fantastic. I mean, this is kind of where we're at as Texas fans, where we're rooting against other people. It's pretty Aggie-ish of us. Um, but you know, if Lincoln could get the Cowboy job and then James Franklin get a job and Matt Rule go to Penn State, now I'm I'm already plotting it out, man. It's going to be my Christmas present to myself. If we can just have the weakest league in all of the P5 conferences, maybe Texas could go <laughs> 9 and 3. Right, let's mask it, man. Let's mask. How let's... amazing would that be? Oh god. Blown out in the Blue Bonnet Bowl against somebody. All right, so what other thoughts? We're having a lot of problems with the board, so if this thing sounds – I'm going to edit it, so if this thing sounds kind of odd, then forget it. We've said our piece, and this is going to be be an ongoing thing, and uh, heck, we'll we'll hear completely different names and have different stuff next week. So everyone stay tuned, and uh, we'll we'll be breaking it all down here. We'll be having some fun. See you all, guys.